And good afternoon. You're listening to Ken Hutton. This is the Ken Hutton Show. Coming to you from our studios right here in exciting El Paso, Texas. Gateway to the Old West in the most haunted city in the country. Well, today is July 28th. 209th day of the year. 156 days remain to the year's over with. And it's a Friday, folks. It's National Milk Chocolate Day. World Hepatitis Day. So run out and get hepatitis today. Anniversary of the Fall of Fascism and Freedom Day. Baptism Day of Kivan Rus. Buffalo Soldiers Day. Darwin Show Day, Day of Cantabria Institutions, H.M. King's Day, National Soccer Day, National Tonka Elevator Day, National Water Park Day, Peru Independence Day, St. Olive's Eve in Faroe Islands, System Administrator Appreciation Day, and World Future, excuse me, World Nature Conservation Day. Now, in 1364, troops of the Republic of Pisa, the Republic of Florence, clash in the Battle of Cassina. 1540, Henry VIII of England marries his fifth wife, Catherine Howard. Five is doing a little overboard, I think. Also in 1540, Henry VIII of England, the former Chancellor Thomas Cromwell, is executed on charges of treason. Believe as I tell you to believe or you die. 1571, La Laguna Encomienda, now today's Laguna province in the Philippines, is founded by the Spaniards as one of the oldest provinces in the country. 1635, in the 80 Years' War, the Spanish captured the strategic Dutch, fort, the strategic Dutch fortress of Shin Kashans. 1656, Second Northern War, Battle of Warsaw begins. 1778, the Constitution of the Provinces of Cantabria, ratified at the Assembly Hall in Persino La Puente, Rioson, Spain. <clears throat> 1794, French Revolution. Maximilian Robespierre and Louis Antoine de Saint Just are executed by guillotine in Paris, France. And that's the problem with starting revolutions quite often. It comes back to bite you. 1808, Mahmoud II became Sultan of the Ottoman Empire and the Caliph of Islam. 1809, Peninsula War, Battle of Talavera. Sir Arthur Wellesley's British, Portuguese, and Spanish army defeats a French force led by Joseph Napoleon, uh, excuse me, Joseph Bonaparte. 1821, Jose de San Martin declared the independence of Peru from Spain. 1854, USS Constellation, the last all sail warship built by the U.S. Navy and now a museum ship in Baltimore Harbor is commissioned. Warranty has long since expired, I suspect. 1864, American Civil War, Battle of Ezra Church. Confederate troops make a third unsuccessful attempt to drive Union forces from Atlanta, Georgia. 1866, at the age of 18, Vinnie Ream becomes the first and youngest female artist to get a commission from the United States government for a statue of Abraham Lincoln. 1868, 14th Amendment, the U.S. Constitution is ratified, establishing African-American citizenship and guaranteeing due process of law, which unfortunately, at least around here, the courts sneer at. 1883, a moderate earthquake measuring uh, 4.3 to 5.2 strikes the Italian island of Ischia, killing over 2,300 people. 1896, city of Miami is incorporated. 1911, Australian Antarctic Expedition began as the S.Y. Aurora departed London. 1914, in the culmination of the July crisis, Austria-Hungary declares war on Serbia, starting World War I. 
Remember, it was in Serbia that uh, Archduke Ferdinand and his wife were killed by a radical assassin. 1915, U.S. begins a 19-year occupation of Haiti. 1917, a silent parade takes place in New York City in protest against murders, lynching, and other violence directed toward African Americans. 1932, President Herbert Hoover orders the U.S. Army to forcibly evict the Bonus Army World War I veterans gathered in Washington, D.C. The government promises with one hand and takes away with the other. They were promised uh, bonuses. 1935, first flight of the Boeing B-17 Flying Fortress. 1938, Hawaii Clipper disappears between Guam and Manila as the first loss of an airliner in Trans-Pacific China Clipper service. I don't think they ever found it. 1939, the Sutton Hoo helmet is discovered. Now, it's a decorated Anglo-Saxon helmet found during a 1939 excavation of the Sutton Hoo uh, strip burial. Buried around the years 620 to 625 uh, A.D., widely associated with the Anglo-Saxon leader, King Redwald of uh, East Anglia. It's an elaborate decoration. May have given it to a second, a secondary function, uh, similar to a crown. It's both a functional piece of armor that would have offered considerable protection if ever used in warfare, and it's also a decorative, prestigious piece of uh, extravagant metalwork. The uh, it's interesting to note how many uh, interesting um, things that far beyond what they're supposed to be able to make turns up. They're known as oops, out of place artifacts. 1942, World War II, Soviet leader Stalin issues order number 227 in response to an army driven advances. All those who retreat or otherwise leave their positions without orders to do so or do you try in the military court? Punishment can range from duty in a strapbot battalion, imprisonment in a gulag, or even execution. 1943, World War II, Operation Gomorrah. Royal Air Force bombs Hamburg, Germany, causing a firestorm to kill 42,000 German civilians. 1945, U.S. Army B-25 bomber crashes into the 79th floor of the Empire State Building, kill 14 and injured 26. 1957, heavy rain and a mudslide in Ishaya, eastern Kyushu, Japan, kills 992. 1960, German Volkswagen Act comes into force. Now, that's a uh, set of German federal laws enacted in 1960 regulating the privatization of Volkswagen into the Volkswagen Group. Wanted to maintain government control in the privately owned company, it uh, stipulated that uh, votes and major shareholder meetings uh, resolutions require f uh, 80% agreement. Now, later on, this part of the law was deemed to violate the free movement of capital principle in uh, European Union corporate law. There was a series of challenges from uh, 2007 to 2013 before the German parliament formally amended the part in 2013 to the... Uh, European Union Court of Justice Satisfaction. 1962, beginning of the 8th World Festival of Youth and Students. 1965, Vietnam War. President Lyndon, I'm going to be King Johnson, announces his order to increase the number of U.S. troops in South Vietnam from 75,000 to 125,000. 1973, summer jam at Watkins Glen. Nearly 600,000 people attend the Rock Festival at the Watkins Glen International Raceway. Drugs and sex was rampant. 1974, Spetsgruppe A, Russia's elite special forces, is formed. 1976, the Tangshan earthquake, measured between 7.8 and 8.2, flattens Tangshan in the People's Republic of China. Killed 242,769 and injured 164,851. 1984 Olympic Games. Games of the uh, 23rd Olympiad. Summer Olympics were opened in Los uh, Angeles. 1996 remains of a prehistoric man are discovered near Kennewick, Washington. After that, those remains will be known as the Kennewick Man. 
2001 Australian Ian Thorpe becomes the first swimmer to win six gold medals at a single world championship meeting. 2002 nine coal miners trapped in the flooded uh, Clay Creek mine in Somerset County, Pennsylvania, rescued after 77 hours underground. 2002 Paul Colville Aviation Enterprise Flight 9560 crashes after takeoff from the Sheremet Yova International Airport in Moscow. Kills 14 of the 16 on board. 2005, the Provisional Irish Republican Army calls an end to its 30-year uh, long arm campaign against British rule in Northern Ireland. 2010, Air Blue Flight uh, 202 crashes into the Margalia Hills north of Islamabad, Pakistan. Killed 152 people on board. It's the deadliest aviation accident in Pakistan history and the first involving an Airbus A321. 2011, while flying from Seoul, South Korea to Shanghai, China, Asiana uh, Airlines Flight 991 developed an in-flight fire in a cargo hole. The Boeing 747 uh, freighter attempted to divert to Jeju International Airport but crashed into the sea southwest of Jeju Island. It killed both crew members on board. 2017, Prime Minister of Pakistan, Nawaz Sharif, Disqualified from office for life by the Supreme Court of Pakistan after finding him guilty of corruption charges. And in 2018, Australian Wendy Tuck becomes the first female skipper to win the Clipper Around the World Yacht Race. Well, there's all kinds of interesting historical um, things that um, we need to be aware of so we don't repeat them. You know, there's long been stories of what have been referred to as uh, invisible masters. Uh, Lawrence Gardner, who died in 2010, was a well-known Masonic author. Uh, some of his books reached the international level, such as Bloodline of the Holy Grail, The Hidden Language of Jesus, Revealed. Till his death, he worked to trace the true lineage of Jesus, and despite the fact that uh, Traditional historical historians call him a pseudo-historian. His influence on contemporary culture is truly remarkable. As the newspaper The Independent wrote after his death, his work inspired the now famous Da Vinci Code in 2003, offered a bit of inspiration for Dan uh, Brown's novel development. And Gardner even came to determine a supposed alien origin for Jesus through the, the line of blood that came from his anointed uh, King David. In his book, Genesis of the Grail Kings, he determined that the real bloodline of Jesus ultimately descended from the biblical Cain of alien origins whose sons and his bloodline were, uh, therefore, of extraterrestrial origin. Now, Gardner discussed this Further, during a conference where he stated that they, uh, meaning the sons of Cain, were the true children of the gods, the Anunnaki from the stars, were briefly bred to be the leaders of the human race. The Anunnaki is the Sumerian denomination of the tyrannical Jewish Nephilim, the descendants of uh, the giants, uh, the 200 Ben Elohim, or fallen angels that Yahweh uh, kicked out of heaven. That was a notion disclosed uh, initially by Zechariah Sitchin, uh, the famous uh, unconventional scholar, often enriched uh, and criticized for his translation of the Sumerian task, text. Of course, his big critics couldn't read him themselves, but since what he said didn't agree with what they wanted, he didn't agree. In addition... Uh, Sitchin had direct contact with the Vatican through Monsignor Corrado Dalducci, as described in uh, Volume 3 of his My Confessions. The significance of Gardner's claims and those made by Sitchin and others become apparent after understanding why their position is so different from that of traditional historians and the importance of their thesis 
Gardner developed his work with an almost encyclopedic approach to his already uh, mentioned uh, Genesis of the Grail King, which is one of his well-known books, and focused on the period of the Old Testament, in particular on the biblical parts of Genesis and Exodus. And he begins with a description of the origins of the Jewish faith. It's a mixture created by uh, Egyptian worshipers of the sun. It's Akhenaten's um, creation, frankly. Assimilating to some motions, uh, notions of the tradition of the Sumerians and their belief system. To which they'd be strongly influenced. Gardner followed those who didn't revert to the official version of the history of humanity because they were influenced by the mystery schools that traditionally guide both the good and the bad. Now, one person, this was before Gardner, was Gerald Massey. He actually died in 1907. He was an unconventional archaeologist linked to the Theosophical Society. He wrote a book called... uh, Book of the Beginnings came out with in 1881, which later influenced uh, Kenneth Grant, who was linked to um, Aleister Crowley. Massey's work is still used today as a reference for the Theosophical Society. That's a religious philosophical movement founded by Helena Petrovna Blavatsky. Um, Massey was a poet who was passionate about uh, Egyptian civilization. But he was never a true Egyptologist in a traditional sense. But rather somebody who taught himself the art of deciphering hieroglyphs using, uh, I guess what you could call tuition. Intuition. Massey was also the Grand Master of an Order of Druids. It was highly influential in the Illuminati network. And in the New Age movement, he's still well-known today for his seemingly bizarre theory that uh, established a parallel between the life of Horus and that of Jesus. That was a theory he said was based on a mysterious ancient relic found in Luxor that he examined and interprets in a work called The Historical Jesus and the Mythical Christ. Now, there are no other sources of reference to assert his thesis aside from his own in reality he was just proposing an old theory made popular by uh, Christian Ernst Wunz and Adam Weishaupt's Illuminati order now in fact Ernst Wunz wrote in the Horus of the Astro-Gnostic Final Judgment on the Revelation of John, which came out in 1783. Horus of the Egyptians was the Messiah of the Jews, as we have often shown. Horus was the bread and the wine. The Messiah was uh, thus also an opinion of some in the Jewish sect to present. He put forth namely life's bread and life's wine. He was the soul's food and the soul's drink, heavenly food and heavenly drink. Jesus had to do all this. He had further said he was going to come in a different relation to situations with his disciples. He'd now like to succeed in his designs on the temple. And for this reason, he metaphorically gave him bread and wine instead of eating his body and blood as a memorial to his custom until this uh, time community and to drink a toast with him. And since then, the communion has been used. But in uh, the Protestant church, it's called the Lord's Supper. Now, in 2007, there was a documentary that came out. The globalists loved it, called Zeitgeist, which resumed the Illuminati theory designed to brainwash the masses, proposing it as Massey's own, and essentially amplifying it to the world in the era of the internet. Statements about the fact that Jesus would be a sort of copycat product of ancient religious figures like Horus or others have in fact been uh, widespread. And our Christian atheist websites have been used against uh, Christians in religious debate, even unjustly. 
theory originated in the Illuminati, according to traditional historians, and so it has no basis in reality. The Illuminati basically wanted to overthrow the existing order. But it, uh, most people, most researchers seem to think the truth is somewhere in between. And not simply a mythical vision, as seen in masonry and other sects where myth often uh, reigns over reality. For mystic masonry, the religions and myths of the past are an obvious trace left to us by extra-dimensional beings able to travel the cosmos since ancient times to join the human race in secret rituals orchestrated by the Illuminati and to establish religions and civilizations at times even requiring human sacrifice. And something that's still happening in the most secret lodges of occult masonry and some of the other more nefarious sects of the Illuminati. And there's been talk of contact between Freemasonry and aliens. And uh, recently relaunched by advocates of the theory of the ancient astronauts known as uh, paleoastronautics. Originally introduced in the 1960s by a mathematician of the Soviet establishment by the name of Matist Agrist. Later popularized by a Swiss writer by the name of Eric von Donneken in a book he wrote called Chariots of the Gods. Became an international bestseller, translated into many languages. Paleo-astronautics uh, has been promoted a lot in recent years by the TV channels of the control of the New World Order and by the usual Illuminati groups. And it was originally created in the 60s, but these notions were present for a long time in the lodges of fringe Masonic rites and certain Illuminati sects like the Odo Temple Orientis or the Temple of Set Society. In general, media has become an involuntary instrument of control exercised by the Illuminati who for some reason now want to, to publicly indoctrinate the population with their alternative vision of man's history and origins. And what has so far been considered uh, as a dark secret theory hidden behind the walls of Masonic temples and other mystery schools has now become for Motives related to current plans of the Carolite, an alternative version of the history of humanity. Where the cult comes from, a Latin word, occultus, and simply means hidden, it has no other real meaning. And since the Illuminati is an occult secret society, they hide things in plain sight. And now they seem to kill back in the days of the Inquisition such as the famous Italian Dominican friar and philosopher Giordano Bruno, is today at the disposal of millions of people from many TV networks worldwide to the Internet, on bookshelves across the country. Are they preparing something for humanity? Well, clearly the answer is yes, but nobody knows what. In 1584, Bruno wrote in the Infinite Universe, uh, Innumerable suns exist, innumerable earths revolve around these suns, and living beings inhabit these words, these worlds. And that was enough to get him killed. The basic theme of Bruno's Spasio, which was written in 1584, is a glorification of the magical religion of the Egyptians. He believed this worship was rather the worship of God in things. He wrote in Spasio for diverse, diverse living things and represent. Well, the interesting thing about Bruno, he's considered by many to be a ufologist, but recent studies have linked him to the origins of Rosicrucianism, a cultural movement which arose in Europe in the early 17th century, that we know is an emanation of a much older mystery school, the Illuminati Network. Now, going back to Gardner for a moment. In Genesis of the Grail Kings, he speaks in detail about the Great Pyramid of Chops and or Cheops, considered of great importance the fact that the uh, king's chamber, which is inside the pyramid, could be used as a 
superconductor capable of carrying the pharaoh into another space-time dimension for a very unusual initiation. And it was in the king's chamber that the pharaoh's ritual of passing was handled according to tradition of the Book of the Dead of ancient uh, Egypt. This strange room used by the pharaoh during the rituals of, uh, of initiation apparently led him to the god of antiquity, entities duly described by gardeners transdimensional rather than just extraterrestrial. The king's chamber hypothesis as a dimensional portal was uh, reaffirmed in December 2014 during a, an important conference in Italy by author and internationally renowned researcher Robert Balvo, who among other things has a background in uh, engineering. Balvo said that after 30 years of research, it's now safe to say that the King's Chamber is an interdimensional, interdimensional portal. Now, Napoleon also had a profound experience in the House of Kings. Um, Adrian Gilbert wrote about it in Mysteries of the Stone of Destiny. According to what he wrote in 1798, his army just won a great victory on the Mamelukes that had ruled Egypt for centuries. After the battle, Napoleon entered the pyramid, insisting he be left alone in the House of Kings. An hour later, he was pale, but refused any question as to uh, what happened. He kept the secret with him and carried it to the grave. In his place, there was an extra-dimensional stargate, for lack of a better term, used by the pharaoh. Edouard Shuri and the great initiates have studied the secret history of religions, uh, which was a mysterious book of tremendous importance for the Illuminati mystery schools, gave a grown, an explanation of the famous stories of Herodotus uh, in old Egypt. What did he wrote for a long time? Archaeologists have seen in the sarcophagus of the Great Pyramid of Giza the tomb of King Sesostus, and the testimony of Herodotus, who was not an initiate, but to whom the Egyptian priests hardly confided anything except trifles and folk tales. The kings of Egypt, though, had their tombs somewhere else. Strange inner structure of the pyramid proved it was to be used for initiation ceremonies and the secret practices of the priests of Osiris. The Well of Truth, which was an ascending staircase in the room of the Arcana, were also found there. The room called the King's Chamber, which contains the sarcophagus, was the one where the Adept was led on the eve of his great initiation. And these same arrangements were reproduced in the great temples of central and upper, upper Egypt. In other words, what we've been led to understand by traditional history is not, well, let me say may not, actually be true. He went on to write, No man uh, escapes death. Every living soul is destined for resurrection. Adip goes through the tomb alive, and afterwards he may enter into the light of Osiris. So he lies down in the sarcophagus and waits for the light. And if you go through the door of fear, you'll reach the threshold of mastery. So the initiates lay down in the open sarcophagus, and the hierophenic extends his hand over him to blessing, and the process of uh, initiates left to would leave in silence and leave the uh, the one who is trying to achieve uh, mastery alone. Now, Sherry was a, another interesting character connected to the Illuminati and the Hermetic School of French initiate Antoine Joseph Pierneri, known as uh, Don Pierneri, former Benedictine and librarian of Frederick the Great of Prussia. Is considered a key figure in the origins of the ancient acceptable, uh, accepted Scottish rite. He also influenced by the Christian mysticism of Swedenborg, and in 1760, he founded the secret society of Rite um, Hermetique, or Illuminati of Avignon, very much in vogue in the First Enlightenment period, as a more mystical and esoteric alternative to the illuminated order created by Adam Weishaupt. Interestingly enough, Weishaupt vanished. Nobody really knows what happened to him. Sherry, who was a 
An initiate himself was influenced by Rudolf Steiner. Uh, bound in turn by that already mentioned um, Helena Petrovna Blavatsky, founder in 1875 of the Theosophical Society. Originally, it was created in New York, interestingly enough. Then we find a certain affinity between the perceptions that we've mentioned so far, whose uh, glue always seems to be the Theosophical Society. It has more than any, anyone else uh, promulgated in the modern era the idea of the invisible masters and the secret chiefs of a, a new and eminent age. There's long been stories about secret masters pulling the strings of, of civilization behind the scenes. As all theosophists and Illuminati, uh, he was obsessed with ancient Egypt and its characters, including Moses. Uh, in fact, he had an interesting um, description. He said Moses was an Egyptian initiate and priest of Osiris, and was undisputably the organizer of monotheism. And through him, this principle, until then hidden beneath the threefold veil of the mysteries, came out of the depths of the temple and entered the course of history. Moses had the courage to establish the highest principle of initiation as the sole dogma of a national religion and the prudence to reveal its consequences to only a small number of initiates while imposing it on the masses through fear. By doing that, the prophet of Sinai eventually had before him distant vistas which extended far beyond the destinies of his own people. The establishment of the universal religion of mankind is a true mission of Israel, which few Jews other than its greatest prophets have ever understood. And in order for this mission to be fulfilled, the swallowing up of the people who championed it was implied. The Jewish nation was eventually dispersed and almost annihilated. The idea of Moses and the prophets have lived and increased, enlarged and transfigured by Christianity, taken out by Islam, although on a lower plane, on the barbaric west and was to influence Asia once again. So it would be useless for mankind to rebel and struggle against itself in convulsive efforts. Mankind was to revolve around this major idea like the nebula around the sun that organized it. That was the work of Moses. According to many of the mystery schools, Moses was a great international magician who, in fact, thanks to his privileged contact with God and extra-dimensional aliens and angels managed to lead the Jews out of Egypt, according to the Bible. He was uh, the one who began the path that would lead them to the promised land that the Jews are still craving and suffering for to this day. And that's why Sherrod devoted a whole chapter in his book, The Great Initiates, to uh, Moses. Century later, Lawrence Gardner, a typical representative of contemporary Masonic uh, Illuminati thought, uh, also focused on this same subject, inspired by the work of Alexander St. Hughes, Marquis of Alvadre, who was a French occultist who adopted the works of uh, Fabre de Olivet and uh, wrote the book uh, Mission of the Jews. So if we go back to the role of Moses, who was bound, if you think about it, to a special interdimensional location and Stargate uh, constructed to initiate the pharaohs to the highest mysteries and project them into parallel dimensions and distant worlds. There's long been stories about the pharaohs having esoteric knowledge, and this may well be the, the basis of that. <coughs> Excuse me. And, you know, we're for the first time in front of unusual open Stargates where the Interconnecting extra-dimensional doors could be found in a cave behind a bush or on top of a mountain, which shall we call the Sacred Mountain. It's therefore worthwhile to look even closer at the important and enigmatic figure of Moses, tied to the constant support of a superior guide who uh, many referred to as an alien and his mission to guide the chosen people, a race that apparently has a specific task, a divine mission, puts him above the rest of humanity, while for others, critical of the Jewish belief system is the result of a diabolical compromise. It's a controversial subject to be sure. It would require a separate book to go into it in great detail. Now, Moses is undoubtedly one of the most enigmatic characters in the Bible. And you need to go beyond the Hollywood image that uh, has been projected. Thanks to Exodus, God and Kings by Sir Ridley Scott, film director who gave us uh, Prometheus, another 
2012 success story based on paleoastronautics and the alleged alien origins of humanity inspired by the Illuminati. Now, according to legend, Moses was born in Egypt about the year 1600 B.C. Dates following the indications of historian uh, Titus Flavius Josephus, who was born Yosef ben Matiyahu, was a first century uh, Romano Jewish scholar, historian, and hagiographer. And the Greek historian Herodotus, who was the first to identify the Hyksos with the Jews, and indeed both advocate the theory that links the exodus of the Jews with the expulsion of the Hyksos from Egypt. Instead, according to tradition, Moses' birth date, 7 Adar 2368, corresponds to the years between 1391 and 1386 B.C. That would make him a contemporary of the pharaoh Akhenaten, who was the pharaoh that uh, tried to turn Egypt away from the pantheon of gods to just the sun god. Now, Ahmed Oshman conducted a very elaborate study entitled Moses Nakanaten, Secret History of Egypt at the time of the Exodus. Today, many scholars and historians believe the events of the Exodus are only literary fiction inspired by some priests at the time of deportation to emphasize their religious characteristics. And Moses is said to have died at the venerable age of 120 on Mount Nebo and was buried in the Moab Valley in a mysterious place. He wrote the first five books of the Bible, the so-called Pentateuch. Although there are, of course, scholars of biblical exegesis who in some historical periods have attempted to assert the opposite, he then wrote Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. But as far as Genesis is concerned, according to the gardener, Moses derived it from the Phoenician history of Saxonian and other ancient tales, which for uh, Edward Shuri, um, in his book Genesis, um, he commented, considering Moses' education, there's no doubt he wrote Genesis and Egyptian hieroglyphics with uh, three meanings. He entrusted the keys and the oral explanation to his successors. And in Solomon's time, Genesis was translated into Phoenician characters, and then after the Babylonian captivity, uh, Esdras, edited in uh, Chaldaic Aramaic characters. So the Jewish priesthood could make but imperfect use of these keys. And last, when the Greek translators of the Bible appeared, they had no more than a vague idea of the esoteric meaning of the, of the text. Well, Massey in the Book of the Beginnings was a little more pragmatic about what he wrote. He wrote that Genesis would simply symbolize an allegory, allegory, present in Egypt in the famous Book of the Dead, and again in Africa from time immemorial. He said the first words of the Hebrew Book of Genesis in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, have simply no meaning, no initial point in time, place in space, no element of commencement whatsoever, no means of laying hold to begin with. Whereas the beginnings of mythology were phenomenal, palpable, and verifiable, they were the primary facts observed and registered by the earliest thinkers. The Egyptians didn't begin with any, uh, anywhere in particular to arrive at nothing definite in the end. Hebrew beginning um, then enable us to begin. It's a fragment from a primitive system of thought and expression that can't be understood directly or according to modern man. When the ancient matter has been divested of all the constituted its character's real myth, it only becomes a false myth and is of no value whatever until it is restored to its proper place in the mythical system. And that can only be done by recovering the phenomenal origin and mold that shaped the matter of mythology. So Massey's work seems to indicate that the... Uh, what we refer to as the Jews are, Jews are actually an Egyptian tribe, which in part share the same vision of Shuri. I mean, after all, Moses was the adopted son of Pharaoh Ramses II. 
and received from his priest all the teachings usually gotten by the sons of Pharaoh, including the most important scientific and historical notions, and above all, the knowledge of the royal arts, which included alchemy and magic. After escaping from Egypt to avoid punishment for the murder of a guard, Moses went beyond the Red Sea and the Sinai Peninsula to the land of uh, Madian, well, there was a temple that wasn't under control of the Egyptian priesthood. In that temple, he met Jethro, the high priest of Madian, or the Ragel, the watchman of God. He was a man of black skin who belonged to uh, the purest type of the ancient Ethiopian race who had ruled Egypt four or 5,000 years before Ramses. Jethro was neither an inspired man nor a man of action, but he was actually a sage. Moses married Sephora, one of the seven daughters of Jethro. And later, after the exorcist, Aaron and Miriam, Moses' brother and sister, according to the Bible, reproached him for having married an Ethiopian. Racism even in ancient Egypt. Well, according to... Sherry, when the priest of Osiris had committed a murder, even though involuntarily they were severely judged by the priestly college. And already the pharaoh suspected a usurper in his sister's son. And the life of the scribe hung by only a thread, so he preferred voluntary exile, we referring to Moses here, and to submit himself to the expiations of the law of the initiates imposed on murderers. When a priest of Osiris committed even an unpremeditated murder, he was supposed to lose the benefit of his anticipated resurrection in the light of Osiris, a privilege he had obtained through the test of initiation, which placed him far above the masses. So in order to expiate his crime and find his inner light once again, he had to submit himself to further cruel tests and once more expose himself to death. So after a long list and with the aid of certain... Uh, potions. The atoning one was plunged into a deep sleep. Then he was placed in a cave beneath the temple. He stayed there for days, sometimes for weeks. So that was the journey of Moses, typical of the practices and teachings of ancient Illuminati mystery schools, exposing himself once again to death and extra-dimensional dangers with no assurance of surviving this ordeal. But it was in the underworld that Moses eventually regained a privileged contact with the invisible dimensions after his murder and after his astral cortex had been totally cleansed from sin he was reawakened and at that uh, time the Moses took the, his name which means the saved in fact before then he was known in Egypt as uh, Osirisif not Moses Moses then married Sephora daughter of Jethro lived for many years in the village of Median. And then one day went without fear to the cavern of Serval, described by Shuri as a place dedicated from time immemorial to supernatural visions to the Elohim, or as a luminous dedicated uh, to luminous spirits. No priest, no hunter, would have consented to lead a pilgrim here. It was a sacred place dedicated to contact with what we now commonly refer to as UFOs. Well, fearlessly, he climbed past the ravine of Horeb, crossed the valley of death with its chaos of rocks. Going to Sherry, like every human effort, initiation is its phases of humility and pride. And climbing the mountain, he'd reached the summit of pride because he was approaching the summit of human power. Already he felt himself at one with the Supreme Being, the burning red sun hung low over the volcanic massive form of Sinai and the purple shadows were lying in the valley below when Moses found himself in front of a cavern where a few terebinths protected the entrance. Well, he got ready to enter, but suddenly he was blinded by a light that enveloped him, similar to a I got flame, I guess you could say. An angel with a drawn sword blocked his way. He was thunderstruck and fell prone on the ground. All his pride had been broken in that moment by this alien interdimensional force that he referred to as his invisible masters. The, uh, according to the story, the angel's alien gaze had pierced him with its light. 
And then with that deep sense of things that are awakened in the visionary state of the real Illuminati, he finally understood this alien being was about to impose a serious task on him. Now, he would have liked to have escaped his new mission and creep into the earth like a worm, but it was too late. It was chosen by the very powerful interdimensional entity. And the voice from all around him said, Moses, he said, here I am. He said, come no closer, take off your shoes. The place you're standing is holy ground. Well, Moses hid his face in his hands. He was afraid to look at the angel again to face his gaze. And then the angel said, you who seek Elohim, why do you tremble before me? And Moses said, well, who are you? A ray of Elohim, a solar angel, a messenger of the one who is and who will be. Who do you command? What do you command? Who am I, asked Moses, that I should lead the children of Israel out of Egypt? And the angel responded, Go, I'll be with you. I'll put the fire of Elohim in your heart and his word on your lips. For forty years you've been calling on him. Your voice has reached him. And here I seize you in his name, son of Elohim. You belong to me forever. And Moses called out, uh, show me Elohim. I want to see him. Raised his head, but the sea of flames had vanished. I think what we're talking about is referred to in the Bible as the burning bush scenario. Today, the New Age cult known as the Raelian Movement teaches that life on Earth was scientifically created by a species of extraterrestrial, which they called the Elohim. Of course, not all scholars accept the plural nature of the Elohim as Biblical Hebrew, but however, the, the Biblical term Elohim was considered plural for a long time before the birth of the Raelian movement. King James Version of the Bible makes it plainly obvious that the word God, or Elohim, was being used in the Bible in the plural form. Well, Moses, after getting his ultimate mission from his overlord, said, I am that I am thought for a moment his weak human body had been consumed by the fire of ether, but his spirit was stronger than any vision uh, transmitted by the messengers of God after training the Egyptian priesthood. Remember, as the son of the Pharaoh, he had trained to be a priest in the Egyptian school. After his killing, accidental or intentional, of the, the guard, he ran. But that didn't take away his training and his knowledge. When he went down to Jethro's temple again, he was now ready for his new task as leader of the Jewish people. Beware. You know, one of the things we have to be cautious about is being aware of New Agers who say there's no God and Moses was simply led by aliens. Now, Moses understood the real nature of the angel of the Lord, an interdimensional alien, it appeared to him in the flames of fire from within a bush. According to Sherry, in that moment of flashing fire, the god of Sinai appeared in the form of a Medusa head with an eagle's wings. Woe to those who see his face, to see him is to die. Now, the nomads spoke of strange alien events while sitting in their tents during the evening when the women and camels were asleep and they felt free to discuss these invisible masters. In reality, only the boldest of Jethro's initiates ever climbed to the cavern of Serval and spent days in uh, fasting and prayer as the task was uh, very demanding. The question remains, after analyzing why the Lord didn't want it to be seen, you know, to give Moses credibility in his mission, the Lord gave him a magic stick that allowed him to do things that would impress people and induce them to follow him. Frankly, put it in parlance, it's uh, sort of a magic wand, not forgetting that the first magic wand in history was that of Circe in the Odyssey. He used it to uh, transform his men into wild beasts. Italian fairy tales put him in the hands of the powerful fairies in the late Middle Ages and and Wiccan and ceremonial magic practitioners use several magical tools, including wands. Well, 
In ceremonial magic in general, the magic wand is considered an essential energy conductor to carry out a magical operation. So it makes you wonder why Moses wasn't able to visualize the magic flame. Could he possibly have known more about the illusion projected by the alien matrix that surrounds and dominates from the invisible world? Was he too respectful of that sacred flame from the etheric plane? The term aether, also written as ether, was adopted from ancient Greek philosophy and science into Victorian physics by Helen Vavatsky to correspond to Acacia, fifth element uh, of Hindu metaphysics. The etheric plane is that highest plane in the dimensions of matter. Plane that's as concrete and real as the physical plane, and but is experienced through the senses of the soul and a dimension and a consciousness beyond physical awareness. For the Illuminati, it's the world of ascended masters and their retreats. Certainly, there are also deceptive illusions in this realm, often due to demons and etheric parasites, but. Other times, as in this particular case, the subsequent uh, result of a presumably divine message of a, our entity such as Yahweh confirmed the genuineness of the original message. So in the case of Moses, given his subsequent influence on the Jewish people, the phenomena is believed not to be influenced by etheric parasites that are negative thought forms or which are temporary beings gener generated in the etheric plane. You need to keep in mind that however you look at it and however you want to describe it what happened was to Moses in front of that cavern was far beyond anything that could have come from this world well we've been talking about invisible masters the so called puppeteers who uh, pulled the strings of the human race. We're going to talk more about them. But for now, we come to the end, not only of the show, but of the week. So until our next time, this is Ken Hudnall for the Ken Hudnall Show, saying have a truly great weekend.